Hey, Peppin. For he's a jolly good fella. What are we doing? Sports? What about... Oh, you're doing a sport? Like like golf. For... Oh, like golf when you yell out four. Yeah. Okay, what what about it? You know, what goes into them, the mindset, people playing sports, you know, the whole kind of deal. Oh, you want to talk about sports in general? Yeah, yeah. It's a real general topic. Very general. I think we need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you guys can join us. I'm here once again for the almost one year with Pepin. How's it going, Pepin? Are we married yet? We're getting there. Okay. Uh, who's going to propose? Well, I'm getting down on one knee right now. But you're not proposing, though, right? Hey, Nate. Do you know how to tie your shoes? Because I don't, and I need some help. Needs about tying my shoes or tying your own shoes? I'm what a lost tying here. the knot. T- t- tying my shoes. Tying the knot in your sh- okay. So the problem is with your shoes. Yeah, like I'm wearing cleats so I can play some baseball. The fuck are cleats? Oh yeah, actually those things. They're the shoes spikes. with spikes on the bottom so that you can grip into the earth and you don't slip. You think that's a metaphor? I think that's a metaphor for marriage. Mm-hmm. You need to wear your married cleats. Yeah. <laughs> marriage is a sport. If you strike out, you just get another one. You get a second at bat. Sometimes you hit a home run, and then the next time at bat, you strike out. Sometimes you hit a foul ball. <laughs> Sometimes you, uh, you know, sit on the bench and watch someone else play. Sometimes you warm the bench. <laughs> Sometimes people get drafted from their teams. Sometimes you get traded to a different team. <laughs> So what sport? What sports do you like, Pepin? Um, there's not too many sports I like. Uh, there's not very many sports I'd watch. Also, hi, B. Hi. Oh, Brand here. Yes. Yeah. But there's not many sports I'd watch. Uh, one sport I'm kind of into right now is I mean not like I wouldn't go to an event and watch it, but it's like powerlifting. Like, I've seen some powerlifters lift some, like, really heavy weights, and that's kind of cool. And also, it kind of helps me figure out my form and my kind of uh, strategy for lifting more weights. It's kind of motivation in a way. I mean, if I go to a hockey game, I kind of like that because I can scream and yell. I wouldn't watch hockey at home. Baseball's kind of all right because you just kind of chill there and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, this is kind of boring. But, you know, it's all right. I feel like baseball is a type of sport that you is better at the field than watching at home. And, like, football, for instance, is the opposite. It's better to watch at home than to try and watch with people at a field. Why is that? Just because, like, it's it's harder to see what's going on. There's people, and they're loud and obnoxious, and, like, football fans are awful. But, like, when you're at home, you can kind of relax. You can kick back with a big, fat footlong in your mouth hole. You can throw toss around the pigskin with your bros, take your shirt off. You know, football. What sports do you like, Bran? Baseball. Just, that's it? That's it. Oh. What about hockey? No. 
I just I haven't been able to get into hockey. I don't care for football. I don't think there's really a, any other sport for That's me. That's all the sports. That's it for me. That's all the sports there are. Those couple. Just, what is just, it about baseball? I don't know. Like I actually, I actually enjoy watching them play because there's there's more to it. There's a lot of um, mental uh, stuff going on too. It's not just physical. So like if you're not playing the game, which I find playing it is more fun for me. But if I'm a spectator, I can watch the pitcher and see are they getting in their like strike zone are they trying to get just out of their reach to try to trick them into hitting or taking a swing or and the communication between the players is infectious for me if they're having good form and they're having a good time and there's good chemistry Mm, so it's kind of like you can relate to the players and kind of see what they're doing, seeing the strategies they're doing and Yeah. And and also if they're doing poorly, you can also you can feel it and you can see it too. Mm. It's very so as a spectator as I'm also included in on it in a sense. I feel like as far as team sports go, baseball is the most like solitude team sport. Right. Like every person's still an individual versus being an entire team much more than any other sport. I think there's one instance where wrestling. Wrestling is a very solitude sport. It, there's a team aspect to it where, you know, you have state championships which are a team, but it's the one sport where you can win states and your team loses. Or you can lose states and then your team wins. But, I mean, that's you got weight classes and stuff. That's not really team-team. That's more like you're only a team because you're a part of the same school. True, true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you try to work together as a team, and there's, there's a lot of strategies. Are, the school I went to, the I was on the wrestling team, and they had some crazy strategies to win states. Like, it, it, I, like it kind of blows my mind. Like, they manipulated all these, uh, how the weight classes work and how the weight, not weight classes, how the... Uh, tournament structure works and stuff and you know, try to get people seated in places that actually wouldn't be good necessarily but they, right. they had one of my uh, teammates purposely lose a match so he get seated eighth so he'd wrestle this kid who actually wasn't as good as he seemed but he'd be winning the, his division because his division was actually a lot weaker right. so they m- manipulated shit like that like crazy mm. and that's just to win the states so their whole thing was winning states it wasn't necessarily having this kid win you know, himself, it'd be nice if he did, but they just wanted to get him into the finals. Well, fair enough. I didn't even know that wrestling was considered a team sport in that sense, so I will concede to baseball being the second most solitude of team sports. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, I definitely like sport sporting. Um, I like to play them sometimes. I like to play the video game version sometimes. I like to play the normal normal out, outdoors, playing a sport, and I watch them, too. I get the whole spectrum of sporting. That's, that's, that's quite the uh, extravaganza right there. I know. It's pretty impressive. Um, so, B, would you consider, like, video games, like, I'll say competitive gaming, to be a sport? Absolutely. Um it's just because a lot of people think gay or, uh, sports are purely physical. I think 
there's also a mental aspect to them, but people more associate it with physical. But I think gaming can be uh, a a sports because you can have team based uh, in like anything co op or um, capture the flag type stuff, Call of Duty team based stuff there. Um, and you can do it competitively. You, you can have one group against another. Yeah. Well, some games, maybe, um, Counter-Strike is a big competitive game where, you know, you have teams against each other and then you have like more of the single player stuff. So Super Smash Brothers is usually like one-on-one. I think Soul Calibur is another big one and just fighting games like that. Those are big. I I think... I think it's hard because kind of to contradict what I'm saying, maybe you can enlighten me because I can't see it. Like there's different genres in video gaming and um, RPG style, open world strategy gaming like that. I I can see some strategy gaming, but um, first like um, trying to think of the name of it. Holy cow. Dragon Age. Okay. It's it's, uh, one person only and... It's an RPG. How would you do that as a competitive sport? How could you consider an RPG game like that? So speedrun. Yeah, that's where I'm going with speedruns. Also, there's challenges. So uh, with Dark Souls, the first one, they had all these challenges. Can you beat the boss without uh, upgrading your character at all or, you know, using the default class? But speed doesn't really come in RPGs. Like, it's not really... It's not meant to be that way. So Dark Souls isn't meant to be a speed game but you can make it into a speed game if you do it well i feel like dark souls is a it's like a challenge it's like because it's such a hard game it's it's up there it's kind of haha you can't get me so you want to be that one untouchable person to be like i can do it in 20 minutes obviously you can't dark souls but you know what i mean but super mario super mario is like the classic one it's not really a speed game and really, people like collecting coins. And that that seems like it's the whole game for people who are starting. Oh, collecting these coins, okay. But people play a game just to get to the end, you know, as fast as possible. And, you know, beat the game as fast as possible. I just can't see speed running. I, I knew you guys were going to say that, too. Competition does not make something a sport. It makes it a competition. Right. A sport has to involve physical exertion. The only way that you could consider video games a sport is because you're physically controlling the character. Mm -hmm. But it is the least demanding of all sports if it could be considered a sport. Which personally, unfortunately, I don't think it can be considered a sport, but just a competition. But if you're adding the Kinect or the PlayStation Move or the... What's the new one that Nintendo has out? Mm Mm-hmm. You have to have some physical to it because you're – if you add those things in, Like the, is. the Switch. Right, Switch. Thank you. I mean, yeah, there there can be elements to it like Guitar Hero. Like there's obviously a physical element to it. But the point being that you're not actually doing the actions. You're controlling something else that is doing the actions. You are the controller. Right. I mean, in in a way – the connect could be considered uh, a, a sport if done in a competitive manner, but I, I, it just doesn't seem like it's the same thing, really. I don't quite know the answer to this exactly because it's partly semantical and how we define the phrase. Because if sports require physical exertion, and that's the definition we go with, 
then we can say that, you know, esports are not actually sports. You know, it's not, you know, playing Counter-Strike competitively is not a sport, which, you know, would be true if that was, that's how we define it. Well, the the Google definition says an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. So the first thing is an activity involves, involving physical exertion. Right. That's not to be argued, but what would be argued is that the word is changing definition through kind of uh, just its general use. So so people think definitions are kind of top down, but it's really how the people use the definition. So uh, there's the word like, uh, I, sh- I should have done this, you know, and people say of, like OF, like not have, like I should have done this, or they're saying of, and then they put of into their sentences. Well, this is becoming more and more like just grammatically correct. It doesn't make sense from a like a logical level, but since people you know substitute for of for have, you know, it's now just becoming a thing. So you're saying the word sport might be evolving. It's more general, so it's more like a competition that involves skill as opposed to a competition which involves skill through physical exertion. Because mm. a lot of people argue like NASCAR isn't a sport. NASCAR, okay. So but as far as yeah. physically demanding, NASCAR is extremely yeah. physically demanding. I, I was on the side of, yeah, NASCAR is not a sport. But then I learned that, like, these people have to be fucking fit and, like, you know, really on edge. And, it yeah, what they go through is really crazy. Mm, so many Gs throughout that race, sweating, you're in a hot car. Plus, there's the mental aspect of having to, to plan when you do pit stops, when you don't, when you want to pass, when you don't. Um, all of that. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it that kind of dictates, yeah, it, it's definitely a sport. I mean, it, I think it's akin to, like, uh, if we had actually, like, those mobile suit Gundam things, like, kind of piloting one of those, like, it, maybe it's a little, like, less, but, you know, if people were kind of doing, like, acrobats or things with those things or having fights, that would definitely be a sport. Mm. And I think it's lesser with NASCAR, but kind of same kind of mindset. Hmm. I, I I get where you guys are coming from. I'm just rolling back onto the whole video gaming isn't a sport, and I still do not agree with that because have either of you ever played Wii U Sports? Yep. No. Oh, actually, maybe a little bit, but no, no. <clears throat> Wii, but not Wii U, but it's the same idea. Okay. Yeah, it is, it is the same. So if you have it calibrated correctly and you actually play it as bent, you do exert physical physically to get like even the golfing or the bowling anything like that you actually you actually do have to do the physical steps of whatever sport you're doing right but that's not that's first a sport then a video game like you're doing a video game version of something that's already a sport Okay, but even in... So, so, so that's like saying baseball is a sport, and if you f- play baseball virtually and that, do the same motions that you would do during the game, right. it's still a sport because you're still playing a so sport. So tightrope walking is a sport? If it's done in a competitive way, yes. Okay, so that's also another thing that you do, and you actually have to balance yourself, and you're doing the physical motions of an actual action that you would do otherwise i i guess i what i'm saying is 
I, I don't, I understand where you guys are coming from and I see your definition and the definition, I agree with it, that there has to be a physical aspect to it, but you are doing, I guess I can't get across what I'm trying to say because you do physically have to exert yourself and it's not just in the sport games. Um, there was this, um, fighting game that I played. It was like, I can't remember the name of it. Bikini Zombie Slayers. That's what it was. That's not a sport. Fighting's but... a sport. Oh my god, I hate so, you so, we, so that's much. My, that's my favorite sport is Bikini Zombie Slaying. So, w- w- let me expand. And so, so, first of all, I, I, I'm not making a judgment as to whether it's a sport or not. I'm saying if the definition that people use for sport expands to include just, you know, competition which requires skill, you know, you can consider, you know, esports to be sports. But if you want the definition to be, you know, smaller and this requires some kind of physical exertion, then that's fine as well. I don't I don't care either one. But what I think you're saying, B, is if the movements are similar to the, that of the actual sport, they are it, it's physical exertion in the same kind of way. So it would say bowling. Bowling is a sport. Mm-hmm. You can play bowling on your phone. You can play bowling on the computer and move your fingers and mouse. But those movements of your finger mm-hmm. and it's hitting and tapping on the screen is so dissimilar to the actual movements required for bowling that it's not the same. Whereas with the Wii U, you know, the movements are actually similar to the actual sport of bowling. And they is, is, that, is that correct? or I don't even know right now. Is playing guitar a sport? Uh, I don't think playing guitar is a sport, but in a similar way to which people do speed runs, I think there are things which can be considered like kind of sporty with it. So you could be, say, playing a song and playing the song at greater and greater tempos. I think one song in particular is uh, Flight, of the Butterfly- Flight of the Bumblebee, you know, which is a very kind of technical, kind of fastly played song. And it's kind of a challenge to play that song super fast. And it's not like a real competition going on, but people do get kind of competitive with that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I played that song at this speed, blah, blah, blah. So I think there's that aspect. But I, no, like music, guitars and stuff generally not sports. I mean, there's that one guy who tries to like do the snare drum as fast as possible, and that's a competition between people. Maybe that's a sport because you're exerting physical energy. You know, if you want to go with the technical definition, but it, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, to me, it's not, I wouldn't really consider it sporty. I mean, there's a competition aspect to it. Maybe there's a sport to it, but it's like, a, okay, that's kind of weird. Mm. What about like a battle of the bands? Because that's purely a competition. There's obviously physical exertion. There's even a team aspect to it. Or drum lining or... I think the issue with that, and this might get a little controversial with certain people, but there's too much of a subjective subjective aspect to that. Mm. So a lot of people don't consider bodybuilding to be a sport because the winner or loser is determined based off their appearance, their subjective appearance, how they look. And the people you know, viewing them is not saying... There's no real objective criteria. You know, they try to make objective criteria like fullness, size, leanness, and so on and so forth. But it's ultimately subjective and might be influenced by cognitive biases. Mm. And similar with uh, Battle of the Bands, that's that's 
purely subjective. I mean, Paulie's going to win since has most amount of friends in that high school. Or so I mean, or the, it sounds like there's there needs to be an objective, an, a level of objectiveness in order for it to be sporty. It can't there can't be subjection. I would say I would say, and I think if there's any kind of sort of randomness in the in the game, that that randomness has to be controlled or have to be applicable to both sides so like take poker i I don't know if poker is a sport but let's consider it a sport for a second poker has a lot of random aspects to it but it's so very competitive and people are playing within the rules and the randomness applies to all players one person might get lucky with his hands the whole you know whole rounds but poker is not ultimately won by luck it's won by skill in the long run so one aspect of sports I think is interesting, and we're kind of talking about this with the cognitive bias episode, which may or not be out right now, but <laughs> is that uh, people kind of get this kind of community feeling with sports, and they feel a part of the team. So an example is my friend would wear the underwear, same same underwear that one of the sports players would wear, because he thought it was this lucky kind of thing. I guess it's, you know, they're kind of superstitious or something. And, you know, he'd we, we kind of concluded that he was doing this because he wanted to feel like he was even more a part of the team. And there's that weird kind of aspects of sports where people will do things to feel like they're part of the team. Like they are contributing to the team even if they're not. They're included in some way. They're inclusive. And this is definitely true with like, I, I remember going to hockey games with Steve, like at uh, college. And it was always kind of weird because it's like there was a the game going on, but then there's another game going on between your crowd and the other crowd and your crowd, you know, you're just trying to be a part of the group and just trying to chant and just be crazy and like a lunatic as much as possible. Just to like show like, yeah, fuck you guys. Fuck you. Yeah. We got these pre-planned things or oh, we're going to do this clap. Oh, we're clapping now. Yeah. We're clapping. Yeah. Take that. So in that sense, the competition went beyond just the game itself and created its own, uh, smaller nuanced competitions outside of the game. Yeah, yeah, it's like a competition between the crowds, and it's, it's fun, interesting. Hmm. Have you been to those games, B? I know nope. you went to the same college, no? Nope, I... No. Hockey's not for me. I don't really... I don't enjoy it. If it's something I don't understand or feel I have a grasp on, I will not put myself in the position to be around it for the most part or a part of it. So one aspect to sporting, which is extremely prevalent with a lot of media is whether it's genetic or say drug enhanced or if it's skill. So good example, good instance is uh, Mark McGuire using steroids so a lot of people say that uh, he was so good at the sport because he used steroids. Now, that might be true, but it also might be true he had a strong genetic leaning to being good at the sport as well. So it might be that and that. Or maybe the steroids didn't do as much as they thought, and you know it's just more like a placebo effect, which isn't true, but let's pretend like that could be true. Maybe the stuff he was getting was actually junk. So is rooting for people who say have just a genetic gift or maybe a gift of work ethic maybe something itself created or maybe it's just uh drugs you know is it really makes sense to you know root for people like that 
I mean, let's imagine like this this team, which is you know hand selected, hand bred by people like hundred years for hundred years, just you know to be the best baseball team ever. You know, they're raised as children to be baseball players, and they're given the right drugs, right stimulants, right everything to be the perfect baseball players, and they dominate everyone. You know, can we really root for those people? If they're just genetically gifted, they're gifted in all these ways. They're just trained to it. Uh, I think the the biggest uh, issue that people have with steroids is that you're giving yourself an unfair advantage in a way that is a shortcut more than anything or pushes past what would be normal for human capabilities. So the issue is not so much that the person is gifted, but rather it's they didn't put in as much work to achieve the same level? Mm, I, I guess in a way. I mean, it's 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 giving giving yourself an unfair advantage that's agreed upon that they won't do. The biggest issue is that they're breaking a rule. Now, if steroids were legal, then there obviously wouldn't be a problem with people using steroids. But because they're not and people are using them, then, um, that, I mean, that's where the, the biggest issue comes in. And I think the biggest reason for making them illegal is because if they weren't, everybody would need to use them to be able to keep up with each other. And although that would be wicked sweet because the games would be awesome because everybody would be hitting home runs or throwing over a hundred miles an hour or whatever, and speaking strictly baseball, it's there's health benefit there's health uh, to take into account, and we need to try and um, be ethical about it. And there's a, a layer of ethics involved in taking steroids that, whether it's true or not, I don't know because I haven't done the research. But steroids are bad for you in a long term health, um, a, a long term view of your health. So, based off of what you just said, Meter, to Pepin's question on if they were bred that way for hundreds of years or so on and so forth, and they were clean without steroids or such, and they're just naturally gifted because they were bred for that, then yes, I do think that we, I mean, we shouldn't hold them up on a pedestal because we know they've been breded for that. That's that's what their purpose is, per se, I guess. Then, but we should celebrate the fact uh, a little bit, especially if they're performing well, if they're actually putting some energy and effort into what they're doing, then yeah, you should um, definitely be happy for them and cheer for them. Mm, yeah, I, I get confused by this question, my own, because it's like I don't want to take credit often for things that I've done. And the reason is, uh, is because most of the stuff that led up to me doing that thing, like, I'm not responsible for. You know, the fact that my brain actually functions to some extent isn't, like, because I did anything. Rather, it's just I got lucky with good genes, you know, that I'm not mentally handicapped. So can I really take credit for certain things? Let's say I have a really good idea for something. You know, that idea probably wasn't my idea. It just happened because my brain just happened to be somewhat good at picking up, you know, information. I combined two different things and, you know, made that idea. Right, but if you put effort with that idea, wouldn't you... But then even, you could even back it up there and say, 
well, it's my drive for effort, just like a natural kind of personality quirk of myself. You know, maybe my, you know, my working hard is just, you know, the biological result of testosterone, you know, causing me to, you know, work myself hard. That That's kind of tautology, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, uh, of course, whatever we, whatever we redeem as being, um, being like a, something that's good is subjective to how our society functions. So if we say that somebody who hits a baseball good, we hold them in high regard. Well, I mean, does that really mean anything objectively outside of our culture? No, but because our culture puts a, puts a premium on it, people have to make the decision to put effort into learning how to hit a baseball good. And the people who learn, who learn how well put the, put the most effort into it or have some of the best teachers and are able to actually use that knowledge and then to actually physically be able to apply it. That takes a lot of layers of like, it's not just like one time they went and they watched somebody and they happened to pick it up on the side and then they hit a baseball one time. Good. It's consistency. It's, being willing and able to push yourself. The greatest people are not people who just by happenstance had a, had a thing like Steve jobs didn't just, you know, have an idea one day and then he takes credit for it. He consistently over long periods of time was able to continually look into the future, see where trends were going, drive technology in new ways. He left I he left Apple or was kicked out and started a new company and that took off and was a huge thing and then came back to Apple and then brought it back from the brink of death. It was not one instance of he had a good idea. It was a consistent he that's that's was it part of who he was as a person? For sure. But who you are as a person is not necessarily predefined. It's some. It's comes from a lot of choices, and choices are what we redeem, and choices are what we hold in high regard. People who are able to consistently make choices that drive them to be great in one way or another. The same person who has a very gifted brain, there could be two of you, exact same duplicates. One of you could be a lazy fuck by choice, and one of you could be a hardworking, driven person. And which one are we going to hold in higher regard? Probably the cuter one. Yeah, well, looking at it from a uh, societal point of view, is like we would. I mean, let's say we, we as a society want to encourage people to be great because it benefits us. What we want is to hold that person accountable for their success, and to say this success is because of you, because that encourages people to actually make the choices to achieve that success. Whereas if we say success isn't your, you know, your, your fault. It's just your environment. Just, you know, just happened to be born with this brain and you didn't make any choices. These choices were all just predetermined from your parents and stuff that really just disincentivizes people on some kind of psychological level, most likely to not actually go out and try to achieve it. So I think from a societal point of view, we want to give credit to people for their achievements and to do things which are good and great because we want those things in ourselves. Now, whether that's actually true or not is debatable, but I think at least from a societal level, I think that's definitely true. Kind of what you're saying is we want people to do things. We want them to hold them accountable for those things. Cause if, if they do good, we can praise them for it. Mm. Be you, you look like, like, like you're like, I don't know. I have a very negative view on society actually, which is kind of oddly enough, but I, I don't know if I necessarily, I have to chew on that a little bit more. 
because I am a bit biased and have that negative outlook on people, I think you're right in saying that people want to hold other people's accountable. I don't always think it's to celebrate, though. It's sometimes it's if something is done poorly, they also there's someone to hold accountable for blame as well. I got to chew on that a little bit more. I'm not really. I think that's true. Uh, I would need to word it a little better as well in my head, but I like kind of scapegoating in a way, like kind of. But if they do well, then then they are to be celebrated, like you said. I I, I don't do. have it all played out in my head, but that's what I've got so far, and that's why I was looking like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think a lot oftentimes there's scapegoats in, especially organizations. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about here, so I'm just going to talk out of my ass. So there's that guy. Is it, who's that guy who had Enron? You know, let's say Bernie Madoff. So, you know, people will kind of make him out to be the one key factor in the whole thing. But there, there are so many factors and so many different people involved where kind of putting everything in this one guy, making him solely responsible for this, although it's extremely easy to do, it's probably not accurate to do because there's all the people down below him. There's the employees. There's the people who are buying in who kind of probably knew it wasn't a thing. Uh, I know that there's reports that uh, people were messaging the, uh, I don't know, what some go- governor, some organization in the government saying, yeah, there's a scam going on here, and they just ignored it. So there's so many different factors and power- parties involved which didn't do anything about it. And putting the blame on one person, this one scapegoat, you know, although he's... You no, know, has a responsibility. He has the ultimate responsibility as the CEO, where the fuck he was. It, it's kind of, uh, it, it's kind of misleading. I mean, it could be seen as misleading, but the bottom line is exactly what you said. He had the ultimate responsibility, and when you're endowed with the responsibility, and you're the one making the most profit off of something that's unethical, it's your job. It's your responsibility to be the one to not let things like that happen. And if you're the brainchild behind something that's completely unethical that you're making money off of, then you should get the bulk of the blame. Are the other people who were a part of it, are all of the other factors to blame as well? Yes. But where should the bulk of the blame go? To the Mm. person who had the bulk of the responsibility. So in sports, would that be the coach? Uh, a lot of times, yeah, and that's why coach. That's why when players have losing, when teams have losing seasons, you don't see the entire team getting fired. You see the coach getting fired, and then maybe one or two people who very, very underperform being being let go. But the coach is the one who ultimately should be held res- the most responsible. Hmm. I, I, uh, this is a thought. This is a, this is a thought that just occurred to me. Maybe part of the praise is just in praising that they didn't fuck up. Oh. Like they they did well and they didn't fuck up, so you know a coach who does really well, you know, does very successful. He might just be not fucking up very much and have really good players. Uh, Bernie Madoff, he fucked up. You know Steve Jobs, he did very well and he didn't really fuck up. So mm-hmm. we kind of praise him for sure. And I mean it's 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 not just not fucking up; it's the consistency that's kind of the biggest deal. Like, one huge fuck-up that, like with Enron, that's a big deal. That changes everything. You could be consistently great for 30, 40 years, and then you have one huge 
unethical fuck up that screws over tons of people and you're not worth anything anymore. All of your successes in the past are still, they still mean something, but they're not as much of a, of, of a hero. They're not as much of a role model because they, they made decisions that were awful, awful decisions. Yeah. I think there's also hindsight in that because, uh, like it's all these people get caught in these kind of things and scandals like they're seen as great during like before the scandals revealed and then after it just taints everything that did before Mm, very bill (laughs) cosby-esque jello pudding popping that pussy (laughs) oh my god oh my god yeah god that was my brother's joke not mine so credit to him but what about Tom Brady and the responsibility on him with the deflate gate, whatever? That was a witch hunt and absolute bullshit. And Roger Goodell is a fuck. Yeah. In that order. <laughs> I haven't heard two... Okay, I was talking to someone about that the other day. I don't know shit about sports. But from what I heard, the big problem was, you know, something about the ball is deflating and blah, blah, blah. But they want to look at Tom Brady's phone and search it for evidence of uh, collusion or something. And he refused. And then he got suspended. I mean, it was like this big thing that they were claiming that a thing happened and they were claiming that certain people were responsible for it and they didn't have any evidence. It was all just hearsay. And then because Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL made it a huge deal, it made it all the way to courts and it, at that point, Roger Goodell couldn't back down and be like, oh, I fucked up because he's so much in charge. So he had to do something. So he just suspended Brady for something stupid. And then the Patriots ended up winning everything anyway because they're the greatest team in the history of sports. But it was easy to kind of pin it on the Patriots because they have that kind of stigma with them because they were known to be a very dirty team in the past for sure there was proof of them cheating in the past like filming the other team sidelines mm-hmm. so that you could uh read people's mouths get hand signals get different things like that and obviously that's against the rules so they're exactly like you're saying there was a stigma because they had done things in the past so it's easy to pin something on right. somebody who's done something in the past and who's going to question it because it's a known well i'm not a sports person and i know this and maybe they did cheat. Maybe Deflate Gate was a real thing. Yeah. But the bottom line is, if you don't have proof, you can't punish something, somebody for something that you don't have proof on. That's I, that's our judicial system to a T. Two years in a row, too, right? They, I mean, they've been after the Patriots every single year that they win, and they keep winning. Yeah. So either they're really good at adapting the way that they cheat, which is very possible, or they're the greatest team in sports history. And either way, what the record is going to show is that they were great. There's no, there's nobody can question that. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I won't question it. Damn right. It's all right. I'm not a Pats fan. You can question it with me. Okay. So are, are, are they the greatest sports team in all history? Actually, they are really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. And that's why everybody hates us. Because we're the best. Uh. It's easy to hate the people who are at the top. Mm-hmm. You're talking about yourself quite a bit today. <laughs> yeah, you know. And in third person. Talk about what strange. you love. Well. Narcissistic. That's a great trait of awesome people. 
Mm. Just because you know you're awesome doesn't mean that you're a bad person. True. So is podcasting a sport? Yeah, I feel pretty physically exerted right now. No. Yeah. I'm feeling kind of tired. I think we need to take a deload. A a deload? Is that a sports term that I'm not aware of? What? It's a it's a it's a like a strength programming term. <laughs> I, I okay okay we need to take a, a break. <laughs> let's deload. <laughs> yeah, let's try it. Okay, it's podcasting a sport. I think so. I feel pretty physically exerted. Hmm, me too. Me too. No, it's not a sport. I think we should take a deload. Douche, douche, douche. Oh, wait, were you going to say that? No. I was worried you weren't going to say it again. I, I wasn't. Wanted to make sure it got said. Because that was awesome. Nate, I think we need to talk. Lord. You love the episode? Well, give us a rating on iTunes. Also, we're at Twitter at WNTT1 or Facebook We Need to Talk Show. And hey, if you really love us, give us donation on Patreon. Patreon is a platform which you can use to support your favorite show, podcast, or whatever. And if we ever have your podcast, you know, show some love. Also, until next time. Talk.